This is the Mojo, the Meaning of Life and Business podcast, where life and business intersect. Hosted by Jennifer Glass, CEO of Business Growth Strategies International and BGSI Coaching. We are dedicated to your success. Hello and welcome to another episode of Mojo, the Meaning of Life and Business podcast. Publishing, writing a book, telling your story, it is a really incredible way of being in a position to help you reach people and transform lives, which is why on today's program, I have a really big expert all about publishing His name is Barry Cohn, but before I bring Barry in, let me tell you a little bit about Barry. So Barry, with a BA in English and a minor in speech theater from Kane University, went on to a 40-year career in advertising and public relations, dividing his time between broadcast media and ad agency environments. He's launched numerous emerging brands of natural products prior to becoming an author and helping others publish. He and I also sat down before I released my first book and talked about my book and how it can benefit me and, of course, all of you who are in a position to get my book as well. Barry, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Jennifer. Pleased to be here. Absolutely. So, Barry, that's saying that everybody's got a story in them. We just have to tell it makes a lot of sense for somebody in the publishing world. But the problem is, though, is that so many of us are thinking, is my story really interesting enough? Or how do I even start to tell my story? Can you give us a little bit of an idea in terms of your experience in publishing, your experience in dealing with things like that to help our listeners get more of an idea on what can they do and how do they even get started? Sure. You know, it's funny, but sometimes the tail wags the dog. Everybody thinks that you write a book and then you go out and speak. I did it the other way around. I went out and I spoke at local chambers of commerce and Qantas clubs and Rotary clubs and Lions clubs. And yet I knew that almost nobody sitting in that audience was actually a prospect for my business. So why did I do it? I did it like a comedian uses the club circuit. I did it to test my material and sharpen my act. So sometimes the best thing to do is to just get that expression out. I offered a free workshop and everybody said, yes, they, you know, they, they, bought, they bought into it. And then after a while I said, hey, there's a book in this. And I just expanded the workshop presentation into my first book. And that's a great idea in terms of that. And you're right. I mean, a lot of people definitely do think that they start, uh, they put a book out and then they go out on the speaker circuit. I mean, for me, I've been on the speaker circuit for many years, even before my books came out. And so uh, it's exactly like you're saying, you go out there, you start learning what's working, what's not working, and that's going to help you frame some of what it is that you're doing. But let me ask you, though, as you look at talking with people who are aspiring authors, what is the first piece of advice you would tell them? actually start writing their book okay well the first piece of advice i always tell them is to outline it is to organize the thoughts and and that's one of the things that you know that we offer we'll come to that later and that is a thought starter questionnaire 
you know, we give them some impetus to get going. We give them a basis to organize those thoughts. You, you just can't take it out of your head. Although today with technology, we're finding new ways to do this. We're actually working with some people right now on the basis of doing a Zoom recording, transcribing it through speech-to-text software, and then editing that into a book, and it's working. And that's certainly an interesting idea how tech has helped so many people start writing books. I know that I've gotten actually some blog posts out of videos that I've simply transcribed or episodes of different podcasts that I've uh, done that have been in a position to help me come up with new content. And again, the whole idea is to not reinvent the wheel, but to reuse and repurpose your content in a way that's going to allow you to reach even more of an audience in different ways. We know that there's um, different modalities of learning, right? Some people like reading, some people like listening, some people like seeing, some people need to touch. Uh, There's a lot of different ways that we experience learning. And so having technology to help us figure out, well, what do I do? How do I do it? Is definitely going to be a big way in terms of allowing us to continue moving forward. And so uh, that's great that you had that. But let's talk about the importance of publishing. Uh, I mean, there's so much there. Can you kind of walk us through why publishing is so important? Sure. Well, you know, there's still a great cachet to publishing. There's still a, a glow to it. If you're published, you're considered the instant expert. And when you're the expert, it attracts media attention. It attracts speaking engagements, which in turn put you in front of prospects, which in turn result in you being called in. Before I, I wrote my first book, um, a friend of mine that had a larger ad agency had written his first book. And I remember asking him, what did it do for you? And he said, well, First of all, when they do these reviews, these dog and pony shows where they call in a bunch of agencies, he said, we would have been passed over except that the book put us on the radar. Secondly, he said, it distinguished us. He said, after everybody's head was spinning after all the presentations, and it was like, was he the guy with the blue folder, the red folder, the white folder? No, he was the guy with the book. So it set him apart over and above the rest. But you touched on something very important before, and that was about repurposing the content. It's so important to recognize that the book is simply the centerpiece of what should become a whole intellectual property product line, that that content can be repurposed into audiobooks and ebooks and blog posts and articles, et cetera. And why is that important? That's important because it makes you more searchable. Think about this. It's not your website that's important today. It's your overall online presence. So if people are searching, they don't know you by name. They don't know your company name. They don't know your URL, your website address. So how do they find you? They find you by searching your subject matter. You want to be sure if they search for your subject that you're popping up. Well, how do you pop up? By having more content about you in more places, doing just what we're doing right now, being the guest on podcasts, doing your own podcast, doing an audio book, writing guest columns, guest blogs, all of that creates more of a digital footprint and makes you more searchable and therefore drives people back to your site. And that's great because being in a position that you're constantly having people in that loop, 
right? So you're putting out content that's getting people to come. People coming are telling you what other content they want, which is allowing you to put out more content to keep them coming back and constantly engage with you to move. So let me ask you, as we go through the idea, though, of publishing, right, a lot of us get scared and we feel that we're just not worthy of publishing a book. Um, in another podcast that I do, I was talking with somebody just earlier today on imposter syndrome and someone that she was speaking with said, but I'm only a mom. What do I know about writing a book? And so when it comes down to it, can you give us a little bit of an idea? How do you get over that? Well, is my story really fit to be in a book kind of idea? And how do we gauge whether it is something worthy of being in a book? Well, first of all, consider that there's over 8 million titles on Amazon right now. And not all of those are worthy of being in a book, but they're in a book. So yours is no less or no more important than anybody else's, first of all. You know, second of all, again, we're in the era of democratization of everything. So your content is just as visible and just as important as the next person's. And the reality is that if you are something of an expert in your field, then this is the best way to establish that credibility and that expert authority by using the book as your platform and, and as your calling card. And again, when you get in front of the media, they don't want you to plug the book, but the book gets you in front of the microphone, gets you in front of the camera. The book simply is the calling card. What they want to hear is the wisdom in your head and the passion in your heart. Absolutely. So let's kind of walk through the idea of actually once you write the book and you're ready to go to publishing status and whether you go the self-publishing route, you go the publisher publisher route. Can you give us an idea what would make that decision helpful for some people? Sure. In, in terms of which way to go in publishing? Yes. Right. You know, first of all, consider this, that the large legacy publishers are consolidating right and left because they have a broken business model. They're waiting for the next Harry Potter to walk through the door. They don't make money on nine out of 10 of the books that they publish. So you have to consider the difference between the book business, for example, and the film business. In the movie studios, the studio has enough money that they can buy 10 screenplays a year with the intention of shelving two so that competition won't do them and, and never produce them. Produce eight with the hope that two of them make it on, on the slate. Reality is with books, you don't have those economies. So what happens? The publishers, the big legacy publishers have become very risk averse and they've slammed the door on new talent. And they will only even look at a book if it comes from an agent. And I can tell you that it's as difficult to get an agent as it is to get a publisher. So I don't recommend it unless you want to spend the rest of your life pursuing that. I recommend either you look for a small independent niche publisher or you self-publish. There is nothing wrong with self-publishing. Today, it has become very acceptable and the quality is just as good as anything else out there. There are a number of self-publishing platforms out there that you can use, whether you choose to do all the work yourself, all the heavy lifting, or whether you go to one of the ones that is basically a, a turnkey. And when I say a turnkey, I mean, there are companies out there that will 
you know, design your cover, they'll format your interior, they'll register the uh, the copyright, they'll get you the ISBN barcode, and they'll put it up on all the major bookseller websites. What could be easier than that? Right. So here's really the major thing to look at, and based on what you were just saying, for those of you that know the little title called Chicken Soup for the Soul, right? I mean, it's a really famous story. Jack Canfield and Mark Victor Hansen who were the authors of the original Chicken Soup series, shopped their book around to 144 different publishers when they were trying to get Chicken Soup for the Soul published. I mean, it's amazing. 144 different publishers they went to trying to get their book published before somebody finally took a rider on them and said, all right, fine, I'm going to give you a chance to get there. But that came with, stiff terms, like they had to spend the money in order to actually do the printing, to order all the books and everything. And they were so in debt at that point in terms of being in a position to get anywhere. And that made a big difference. But ultimately, Chicken Soup for the Soul became one of the best sellers. And the whole series has consistently been selling. You know, but the difference is, though, is that what Jack Canfield and Mark Victor Hansen, by the way, Jack Canfield being a teacher, he never went into this with the intention of being, you know, major. He wanted to help people, and they knew it wasn't going to necessarily be something big, or they thought it wasn't going to be something huge that was going to be life-changing, but they also believed to keep going and talk with 145 publishers before they finally got that yes. And so let me ask you, as it relates to somebody today, that's looking at publishing and so many people, they talk to one publisher, they may get discouraged. They talk to two, maybe they get a little bit upset. They talk to three and they give up. Right. And they're not even thinking Jack Canfield, Mark Victor Hansen, because it's not something that even begins to dawn in the human psyche. I mean, how do you go 144 times getting rejected um, like you said, where the publishers just slam the door before you and go from there. So as it relates, though, to going to the publishers, is there any kind of suggestions you do have to help reach some of the bigger publishers other than going to the niche ones or the self-publishing route? Well, again, you're, it's almost impossible unless you have an agent, and it's extremely difficult to get an agent. Uh, you, can, you, know, you can buy a copy of the Guide to Literary Agents, and you can go through, and you can find the ones that handle your genre, and you can you know, check their website to see if they're even accepting new people, right? and you can query them. Uh, I've been told that you know, going to conferences may be the best way to, to meet them face-to-face, but again, it's a long process to go that route, and I don't recommend it. Uh, if, if I may, I'll share my own publishing odyssey because it was a journey. And you can see you know, the, the steps involved. So my first book, 10 Ways to Screw Up an Ad Campaign, was originally under contract with Entrepreneur Magazine's book division. And yes, I did know somebody who knew somebody, which helped, right? Because they got it um, under the nose of somebody who said, okay, we'll take a look at it. And I, and I actually, you know, got a contract with them, went through the whole editing process with them. Six weeks shy of the release date, all of a sudden they hired a new editor for the book division who wholesale came in and canceled a bunch of projects, including mine. 
but my mom didn't raise no fool. I negotiated reversion rights into the contract, which meant that if it ever went out of print, all rights revert back to me. Contract also said that as long as I deliver the final product, I get to keep the advance. So I walked away with the money and the rights. What did I do? I then self-published. And then I promoted the heck out of it because that's what I do for a living. Then I went to the book expo with the Javits in New York, right? And I trolled the booths of those that did business trade paperbacks. And I got just a half a dozen cards of editors at, at different houses. And I sent out query letters to just a half a dozen people. And sure enough, I got a bite from a company up in Boston area called Adams Media. And Adams said, send us a copy of a self-published version and the press kit. Sent it up. They came back and they said, we'll take it. We just want you to update it. So I collected a second advance on the same book from a new publisher, promoted it again, and then got a second contract to do another book. Now, this story gets even crazier. The person that canceled the contract at Entrepreneur came from Adams, the company that bought it. Right. And it gets still crazier because a few years down the road, it turns out, you know, small publishers don't keep what we call a big backlist of older titles. So I was again at a crossroads where it's going to go out of print and I had to decide what to do. Well, lo and behold, Adams, who had published the book, then got sold to Simon and Schuster. And Adams's former parent company, F&W, goes bankrupt. So now I'm a Simon Schuster author. It couldn't get any crazier than that. So just know that, yeah, persistence pays off. Just like uh, our friends with Chicken Soup. That's an incredible story. I mean, just how you got canceled at one place and brought in somewhere else. And um, I love how with the reversion rights, you got to keep the uh, rights to your book as well as the advance because of the terms being completed and uh, being in a position then to take it over. And so it's really the, you know, uh, keep on trying until you ultimately succeed kind of mantra um, in terms of that. So let me ask you, as we're talking about these small niche publishers, are there publishers that are really in just about any niche that are out there that you would suggest somebody possibly looking for? Is it something that's like, oh, if you're writing a business book, you're going to have a better chance. But if you're writing a fiction book, uh, it's not going to be as easy to get that through kind of thing. But, you know, it's it, there are a few in certain categories and certain genres that are probably a, a better bet. So, for example, those that are, you know, Christian authors, there are Christian publishing houses that cater only to that genre and to that audience. Uh, there are a few small you know, textbook type publishers, and there are, you know, a couple of business book publishers, uh, those that um, do sci-fi fantasy, uh, those are the ones that you probably would have the best shot at finding a, a niche publisher in. So as we're talking about publishing, right, and we talked about what your story is in terms of, well, you went out and you marketed the book. Can you give us some of the ideas that you did that helped you when you were marketing the book? Yes, by all means. One of the things that I, I knew I, I had to do was to, you know, you start by really defining and refining your audience, right? So on, in the case of my books being small business books, especially with the advertising book, I had come out of the radio business 
and I had spoken at the radio associations conferences, and I knew that the people who were in that industry, and there are thousands of them, were trained in their medium, and they were trained in how to sell, but they weren't trained in how to make advertising work. And I knew that if they could learn better about how to make advertising work, they ultimately would become more successful at you know, retaining clients and, and having satisfied clients that keep coming back and therefore be able to build their business without having a churn and burn of clients. So what I did was I approached the two trade associations, the Radio Advertising Bureau and the National Association of Broadcasters. And I had them come to agreement to put the book in their online store and also to to make it available on a table with other books at their conferences in exchange, of course, for a cut of the revenue. And, you know, it's, it's affiliate relationships, affiliate marketing. And I, I highly recommend that whenever possible. And that's an incredible idea. I mean, so many people are thinking, well, I don't know how to monetize my book. And you just gave a really easy and simple monetization process uh, that you can immediately do. Um, so let me ask you, one of the biggest things in business books anyway today is the whole free plus shipping book funnel that uh, for those of you that are not familiar with that, it's basically the idea that I can get your book for free. All I have to do is pay a nominal fee for shipping and I get the book. I know that I've personally gotten a whole bunch of books that way, uh, you know, for the anywhere from five to $10, sometimes as much as $20 um, on the free plus shipping offer. But being in a position to get that is for some a great idea. What do you think though, in terms of that funnel idea, does it cheapen the book when you do that? I mean, what's your thought on that? You know what, it, it's true that you could say it's turning it into a lost leader, but again, it depends on what your overall goals in publishing are, right? You're not, most of us are not writing the book to make a million dollars selling a million books. We're writing the book with the intention of raising our profile and credibility in our industry and becoming that thought leader, attracting business to us by establishing our authority and our expertise. That said, if you have more product beyond that book, then it makes perfect sense to use the book that way to bring people into that funnel so that you can upsell them into other books, into other formats for the book, audio, for example, uh, for courses, for live engagements, for webinars. That makes sense. So there you go. You got another idea now that you can all use in terms of marketing and monetizing your books and your products. So Listen to this little part again as you're reviewing the podcast. Go back about four minutes in length and get the idea so that you can really make a difference. So, Barry, as we look at uh, just next steps, so we've marketed the book. We are getting interview opportunities, reaching out to the media to get um, become one of those talking heads, if you will. Once we do that, how do we know we're ready for a second book? Well, if I may, just backtrack for a second, because th that part is really important and how we go about that part. What everybody needs to know is this. We found in marketing books that it was so important to have really highly 
incredible media behind you. One of our most successful authors teaches social media. And yet when she did social media for her first book for three weeks, it did not move the meter on Amazon. Once she called us in and we got her interviewed and reviewed in highly credible places like Forbes.com, Huffington Post, uh, MSNBC, then she reposted that online and it took off. So I can't emphasize enough the importance of having that kind of a campaign behind you, especially if it's a business book. And that's definitely a great point. So going back then to the question, once you've got that, how do you know when it's the right time to say, do I have another book in me? And how do I know that it's really the right time to then get that book? Because we may be marketing the first one when we're trying to market the second, and you may be cannibalizing some of your efforts because you're taking attention away or you're changing their focus. How does that all play in in terms of the process there? You know, it's a great question. Traditional wisdom says, you know, that the first year is the most important year for a book. And yet I've seen, you know, 10, 15 years later, still getting, you know, people interested in a book. Um, I think you, you do have to give a book about a year to be out there. But I've, I find, you know, most people, if you're really, really committed to this, you are planning a series as you've done and as I'm doing. And series sell because they create a following. People, it's just like the podcast. People want to know what's next, right? And, you know, it's not so much an issue of the timing as it is to make sure that you are, in fact, planning out, building out, you know, more than just that first book. So, you know, yes, you know, give that book a year out there, but uh, while you're promoting it, yes, you know, be starting on the next one. I have one client right now that has done a book. He did a workbook based on his first book. He did a second book. We're about to start the third book. And in his case, because he is actively out speaking, training, coaching, consulting, he's putting all those books on the table at one time. And that's definitely a great idea in terms of being in that position to be offering all of that at one point. Uh, and like you said, I mean, we're all looking at how do we reach as many people as we can with the specific content or pieces of knowledge that they are looking for. I mean, in my books, I've niched down on uh, some of my books into specific industries even where my first book is The Bottom Line That Matters. When I first wrote it was for business in general. And when I niched it down, I niched it into the healthcare marketing field. So people that are doctors and managing medical practices and dental practices and labs and all of that are in a position to really understand how they too can monetize marketing and monetize their business even more. And you know so what? That's, that's so our- important. What you just said is so important. So, so let me just interrupt for a second and, and say that that is, is really what it's all about. Finding a niche that is unserved or underserved that you can super serve. That is the brilliant strategy right there. Thank you. Uh, looking at ways you can reach the right people. I mean, that's why we put the books out there. It's to make sure people are getting the help 
and hopefully ultimately reaching out to you to uh, possibly sign up and work with you, but at least giving them the information they need to succeed. So let me ask you an aesthetic, I guess, kind of question, right? I mean, there's books of all sizes and shapes and forms and everything else. Um, There seems to be a magic number of about 100 pages to be in a position to get something written on the spine of the book. But do you have a particular, uh, an opinion on, do I do a four by four book? Do I do a six by nine, which is an industry uh, math paperback size? Do you do a, a seven by 10? I mean, there's so many different sizes that you can possibly do. I know that I recently got a David Baldacci book that was nothing like the rest of his books because it was just an extra inch, it seems, on um, all sides. And it's just when you look at the book, it's like it's a weird form. But, I mean, is there any kind of um, overall guidance in terms of what one should do, or is it really up to the author to decide how to best get that out. You know what? It's, it's up to what the book calls for, right? You know, I've been asked all the time about what should my page count be, right? It, well, it's what does it take to express what you need to express? Now, you mentioned the 100-page you know, book. Typically, I like to recommend, especially for business books, an airplane read. What's an airplane read? It means that you can read it from Newark to Miami in two and a half hours on an airplane. Right. So or as George Carlin would say, in an airplane, um, <laughs> let the daredevils be on the airplane. So the, the reality is that, you know, a 100 to 150 page book will, in most cases, you know, get the point across. But if it takes three or four hundred pages to get the book done, then that's what you do. And if it's you know, if it's a small lean book, then a smaller size like a five and a half by eight and a half is better. You know, if it has a huge page count, I just edited two books recently that were in the 400 page, you know, area, then, you know, the bigger format is better. Uh, We did one book for somebody who's a speech therapist that uses an iPad to teach autistic kids. That book demanded an eight by 10. You know, and you also have the cookbook format, the eight by eight, if, if it's a picture book. Right. So, I mean, the biggest takeaway though on writing your book is to be transformative, not informative, unless you're writing a textbook. And it's really, what are you doing? And try as you're writing your book in each chapter, ask yourself, was this transformational or was it informational? And if it's only informational and you're not writing a textbook, go back and rewrite it show people how they can actually incorporate that into something that can actually make a difference for their target audience so that you are going to be in a better position to make sure that people are going to want to actually reach out to you and go from there. Good point. Let me suggest this as well, if I may. You've got to get people's attention right from the start. Don't ever let anybody tell you that you don't judge a book by its cover because you do. You only spend a few seconds looking at a thumbnail postage stamp sized, you know, cover on Amazon or the spine of a book on the shelves at Barnes and Noble. So everything from the title to the cover design to that first page is critical. If you don't grab their attention right off the bat, you're not going to keep it the rest of the way through. 
And that's definitely a great tip to keep in mind. Thank you. So, Barry, let me ask you, as we look at uh, finishing our conversation on publishing books, I understand that you have an offer that you'd like to make a gift for our listeners. Yes. What I would offer is anybody that's just thinking about a book that doesn't know how to start, I will give them our AdLab Author Thought Starter Questionnaire. All right. And what that does is it gives you a series of questions that will help you to actually develop your outline. And what I would do is I would, you know, I would have you just send that back to me with your answers so that I can at least give you some initial guidance and point you in the right direction and something of a critique to let you know if you're on the right track. Thank you. And how would somebody uh, get that guide from you? Okay. Best thing to do would be to email me and the email address would be publicist, P-U-B-L-I-C-I-S-T, 740 at gmail.com. Alternatively, secondary email is barry at adlabcreative.com. That's B-A-R-R-Y at A-D-L-A-B creative.com, all one word. Thank you. And so people can go to adlab.com and uh, two get websites. more information about you? Excuse me. Let, let me just clarify the, the correct two websites, the URLs. AdLabCreative.com is the overall agency site that will tell them all the things that we do. And PublishingMentors.com is the dedicated site for publishing. Thank you. And Barry, it was great having you on the program today. I think that so many people are going to start reaching out. They're going to want to be putting their story uh, pen to paper or fingers to keys, if you will, and starting to get their uh, story told. And I want to thank you so much for being on the program today and helping our listeners really understand the importance of getting their story out there. Very happy to do that, Jen. Thanks for the invite. Absolutely. Thank you. And so, friends, as you're listening and you're starting to really formulate your ideas, how do I start writing my book, right? Definitely take advantage of Barry's uh, starter program to make sure that you are getting the information that you can really put down a couple of thoughts to make sure you're on the right page. Huh, pun, uh, totally unintended, but it works all the same. Look at that. Um, make sure you're on the right page as you're moving forward because you want to make sure that as you're starting your new work that it's going to ultimately be producing something of value for you. The more that you know you're going to be in a position that people are going to want to read what you have to say, they're going to want to work with you after they read what you have to say, the better off you're going to be, right? As Barry said, we don't go into this expecting to make a million dollars selling a million books, we expect to be helping people, which are ultimately turned to them coming to us and saying they want to possibly work with us. They want to join a program that we have. They want to somehow come into our universe. Uh, there's somebody that I've personally been in their universe, one of the greatest copywriters ever, Dan Kennedy. I've been in his universe for quite some time. Uh, for those of you that are in marketing, you do know Dan Kennedy probably. And for those of you in copy, certainly. 
uh, he's written countless books. And like I mentioned, some of those uh, funnels earlier, like I mentioned, the uh, free plus shipping offers, being part of his community, I've gotten so many of those different offers and quite a few of his books and having opportunities to hear him speak and uh, getting his tutelage, which really helps to frame your mind. Find those people that you can look up to as, their, as your mentors and then start figuring out, even if you don't know exactly how to write your own story, how do you take current thought and put your own spin onto that story? Because the more that you can be out there and you know you're going to be offering additional help. Now, I'm not saying plagiarize, but figure how you can offer your own spin. And when you've got that, people are going to be seeing you as an expert too. And with that, this has been another episode of Mojo, the Meaning of Life and Business podcast. And here's to your success. Thank you so much. This has been another episode of Mojo, the Meaning of Life and Business podcast. If you like what you heard, please consider leaving us a review, liking us, or reaching out to us. You can contact us at bgsicoaching.com and let us know what you think. Thanks so much again for listening.